This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you guys are starting off this week right. I got a lot to share. We got a great show planned for you. I'm feeling galvanized to drop some gems and some truth on y'all. But before we get into that, just letting y'all know, as always... You can check out past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Why? Well, we live in a uh, mentally unwell you know, culture around sex, relationships, dating, and gender. And so more and more, the more time I spend as a human on this planet, being an expert on different talk shows, radio shows, podcasts, just my God, watching television, listening to conversations and music, it reminds me how much work there still is to do. Uh, some days it stresses me out, makes me tired. And other days it reminds me, if not you, who's going to do this work? And then I remind myself, my listeners. So um, not to add anything more to your schedules. I know we're moving into a difficult time. Holidays are coming. I also do want to remind myself to keep talking about how to better keep what the holidays are supposed to be about in our perspectives and not, you know, step more and live more in the anxiety and forget to find the joy. But Y'all listening to this show, I'm going to assume that you are on board and you're going to fight the good fight. Uh, There are so many people that are just struggling to get worth and self-esteem based on whatever oppressed or marginalized identity they might have. But more importantly, with sex and relationships, that's our mental health. You know, that's, that's, that's where our mental functioning is either eroded and dismantled or where it's built better and more resilient and more robust. All that to say is we have so much work to do, but you know, this show is just one of those attempts to try to get everyone to, to take it more seriously. My sound bite for the day is going to be, remember when you're in a relationship of any kind, this other person is in your care. You know, my clinical work is a beautiful demonstration of that where it's people coming into my office. Well, my uh, Skype, uh, I'm doing telemedicine. In fact, I think I'm only going to be offering telemedicine but that's a whole nother conversation for another time. But we have to remind ourselves that we're social beings. And I know that there's a lot of diagnoses and books and all sorts of things in our culture that try to challenge that by saying things like, don't be codependent, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, self-esteem is an inside job. No, none of these things are true. Everything's relational. Our self-worth is reflected back to us. Healthy relationships that truly are rooted in commitment. We do wire and fuse and we have borrowed functioning. Those things are really, really, really healthy. Now, the reason why I'm feeling so charged about this topic today is I was just a part, well, in, in, indirectly, I was pulled into a Twitter conversation where, you know, topics come up, people are in the middle of a battle or struggle and they start tagging experts. 
y'all love to pull me into some of these battles. I used to take the bait <laughs> and ride on in. These days I sit outside, don't have the energy, you know, because it really becomes about, we only have so much energy and time, right? Can't fight every battle. Have to fight the ones that are really meaningful and constructive. We can tell when we're talking to someone whether or not they're actually open to learning and discussing. And the question was really about dun, da, 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 sex, more importantly, sex addiction, which isn't real. It's been debunked by all the major mental health organizations. It's not even in the diagnostic manual. We don't even have an operational, I'm sorry, we don't even have a universal operational definition, which means anytime that word is used, the user themselves is deciding what that word means. We do not have a clinically supported, empirically or validated definition that we've all agreed upon. That that means when we're using that word, we're all thinking about the same symptoms. Um, so there I am minding my business, eating my lunch, eating my sandwich, my tofu and chickpea salad sandwich, which by the way, I need to start posting recipes. I make the most amazing chickpea salad sandwich. It's essentially my replacement for what might be for some a chicken salad or a uh, tuna salad. As a vegan, I'm always finding these amazing ways to create these delicious concoctions. And it always makes me laugh when people are like, oh, well, if you're vegan, why are you trying to eat like veggie burgers? Well, because those are things that are familiar to us and because burgers taste good. My veganism isn't rooted in distaste um, for the flavor of something. It's rooted in other things. So there I am making my chickpea salad, which is so delicious. I think the, the secret to that is lots of paprika. I add a little curry powder and tons of nutritional yeast, but... That'll be more discussed on my social media. Anyway, there I am eating my sandwich. I feel really compelled to paint the entire picture for all y'all tonight. And if you're hungry, go make that chickpea salad. You just dump them out of a can, mash them, put some garlic, some onion powders, uh, some celery, paprika, curry powder, little nutritional yeast, bam, blam, blam, maybe squirt a little lemon juice, spread it on some bread. Ah, delicious. Um, however, there I am eating my sandwich. I'm getting tagged in this text uh, tweet battle. And I'm like, I'm not stepping into this one. I'm not taking the bait anymore. But it's really over whether or not sex addiction is real. But what was really fascinating is how the wheels started falling off very quickly. And one of the quote unquote sex addiction experts, God bless, uh, this person is still very traumatized by sex. He's attacking the proponent of the general question because in their profile, they're not wearing a shirt. Why does someone's shirtlessness how is that able to invalidate whatever they're thinking or saying? Like we still live in that world where, oh, you're shirtless, so you clearly aren't intelligent. What? This brings me back to uh, that little, uh, went viral, a doctor who was chastised for posting a bikini beach pic. And, it, and I think I talked about this on the show and all these people started posting bikini and bathing suit pics, hashtag, hashtagging something like, you know, uh, shirtless, still a doctor in a bikini, still a doctor kind of harkened back to that. Anyway, we got to take a break. We'll pick this up where we left off. So stick around. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, we're back. And uh, just before the break, I was sharing with you all you know, how we just love, love to illegitimize, uh, illegitimize, shame, disempower, straw man argument, all sorts of different things. When we're not comfortable with the topic that's being discussed or we feel kind of, um, I don't know, like we've lost our grounding, we start attacking the respectability or worth of someone based on all these other attributes. And I was kind of talking about how there's this, I wish I remembered more of the details, but something along the lines of an MD, a doctor was, uh, there was a photo of her in a bikini that she had taken while on vacation or at the beach or the pool. She posted it on her social media because that's what we do. We post things that are important to us and aspects of our lives on our social media. And people are trying to discredit her as a, as a professional because of that. I thought, that is so bizarre, but also really, truly not smart. Um, someone's skill set is not seen or demonstrated based on whether or not they're wearing a shirt or a bikini. Like that is very bizarre, bizarre. That's that's sexist, but more importantly, it's very body shaming. It's also very sex phobic, so strange. But it also reminds me of some of these other ideas where I've heard people say things like, oh, well, if I was working with a personal trainer and they're larger bodied, I wouldn't want to work with them. And I'm thinking, why would you not? Um, there's a lot of reasons why people are the way they are and live in the world in the way that they do. It could be a, because this person is larger bodied or fat and understandably there's nothing wrong with that. And so they're not feeling the need to shrink down or overtrain or step into some form of disordered eating to perform uh, fitness because health exists and fitness exists at every single body. Larger bodies can be healthy and fit. Smaller bodies can be healthy and fit. Larger bodies can be unhealthy. Smaller bodies can be unhealthy. Our health is not determined by our aesthetics, right? We know that. We've talked about that. So a larger body personal trainer absolutely could have the skill set to help someone else reach their fitness goals. Why would they not? Um, and that's the same thing with a doctor. Just because a doctor is maybe more sex positive or body positive than you're comfortable with, that doesn't speak to their skill set. In fact, it should speak more highly of them. They're not trapped in performing respectability, meaning I have to be dishonest with who I am and I have to hide myself so as to be treated seriously. Well, I don't want to work with people that think in those terms. Um, I show my tattoos all the time. I try to post shirtless pictures at times to say, yes, I'm both an intelligent doctor who's published and lectures around the world. And also I have tattoos and uh, I have a body under this shirt and I'm not gonna be afraid to show it. In fact, I need to probably do more of that. So all of this born out of a Twitter conversation where they're talking about the, the lack of support around this sex addiction diagnosis and people are attacking the person who posed the question because in their profile, they're not wearing a shirt. And I'm thinking, we're not even in the battle anymore. We're not even actually having a critical 
thought-based debate or discussion. There's no learning here. There's no growth. There's no transformation. We're just like attacking each other. It's so ridiculous. And that tends to happen where I'll post something on my social media that is um, triggering for someone. And instead of them calming down and recognizing what's in this, why is this upsetting to me? What can I learn about myself in this? Maybe this means I do need to sit and read more and find out more. They start discrediting and attacking the poster, me in this example, or in this example, these other people. Where does that get us? <clears throat> right? And, 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 and we have to be better than that because that stops all evolution. We have to be willing to be made uncomfortable. Discomfort is not a sign that we should battle harder or fight more fiercely. Discomfort around topics is a sign that we have work to do around that, that there's a fragility or wounding there and that we need some healing, which means we should sit with it more, sit with it longer. That's why I'm more compelled to say to people that don't like some of my posts, and I don't really post anymore because I'm completely burnt out on social media. In fact, I say this often on the show, I'm, I'm eager to delete it as soon as possible. I just think it has lost its purpose and its worth. But more importantly, instead of saying to someone, well, then get off my page, I'm often saying things like stick around, stick around. There's a lot more to come that might be important or, or meaningful for you to hear or learn about. Now, nine times out of 10, those people are not really interested in that growth or evolution. Um, so they're not going to do that. But I think that's actually the more honest, better answer. Ah, it looks like you really need to be here. And then that brings us even further into um, some of the issues even in my clinical field, which is when people are struggling, it means they need to be there. We shouldn't be kicking them out of treatment for relapsing on drugs, alcohol, or depression or anxiety, but we also tend to do that. Um, really brings us back to the importance of an ethic of care. And with the holidays coming up, what a better time to try to do that. So let's leak this further. Let's push it for, further. What a strange way to say that. Let's leak it further. I don't think the word leak ever has a positive connotation, but to push it further, holidays are coming. Remind yourself what that's really about. That's what this whole topic is. Me talking about what, what are we really needing to be focusing on? Well, let's come back to the center. Let's come back to the goal, the mission statement. The holidays are about being with people that we care about and celebrating. That's it. doesn't matter how the table looks. doesn't matter about getting everyone gifts. doesn't matter about having the right foods. It's supposed to be fun. I'm saying that to make parents and the hosts feel more liberated. I understand that everyone wants to set a nice table. I was raised in a family where all the individuals that would throw in my family, all the different holiday events, everyone was so obs obsessed with meticulously curating the most amazing over-the-top holidays, but to the detriment of everyone's joy, to the detriment of them even enjoying the holiday, to the detriment of us attending and enjoying because everyone's so stressed and on edge and worrying about when things are going to be done and not having enough serving pieces or the right serving pieces. And it was always like, this isn't even fun. I don't even want to be here. Does anyone actually want you want to be here? Like, what was this even about? So we're still in covid we are still in a time that is difficult culturally. There's a lot happening. Let's actually root this time in its actual purpose. Now, a lot of some of the, you know, not, well, not a lot of, but a few of the big holidays that are approaching are rooted in a toxic, violent past. So I don't use words personally because I'm all about an ethic of nonviolence and care and 
pushing us forward. I don't use words like Thanksgiving because um, it's about me honoring the violent legacy of that. So for me, it's Indigenous Peoples Day and maybe time with family. And so that's what I will be celebrating. But regardless of your label or the way you frame some of the holidays coming up, because some people don't like Christmas because it's rooted in a lot of problematic things, some it's consumerism, whatever it is, we can still at least come back to the core of why don't we make this time about spending time joyfully with those we want to be around. All right. Going to take a little break. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all. We're back. And, you know, earlier in the show, I was just talking about, hey, bring the joy back. <laughs> yes, we can challenge the meaning in some of the holidays that are coming up. I think that's important. I personally relabel a lot of them. But let's make them about joy. Let's not get so hung up in the gift giving. Let's maybe, I, I am on board and I know this is going to upset a lot of people. I'm okay with us getting rid of the gift giving with the holidays. I think it really puts pressure on people to go shopping, to spend money they don't have, uh, the worth or value of a gift. So much ego, so much materialism, so much consumerism. The holidays are supposed to be about joy. Purchase nothing. Have a potluck. Have people bring their favorite foods. Let the table be what it is. Just sit down and be with people. That's what I want more of. Um, I transition out of that. Uh, what I want to talk about is an amazing topic. This is an article that I was laughing. There were some hilarious graphics woven in. So I'm pulling from a couple different resources, but it's health myths that we should all know are bogus. I can't tell you how often in the course of maybe even a day, I'm bumping into a lot of psychological myths, pop culture, TikTok, all these different things have given a lot of people a microphone and uh, a platform to talk about things that just are not only just wrong, but sometimes really damaging and problematic. Um, so we're going to kind of dive into it now. We can get a little more explicit in the second hour when uh, we put the kids to bed, I guess, as they say. Uh, but some of these are just really funny. And we have so much access to education and information for free for those that have access to the internet and uh, resources to get on the internet, such as laptops and phones, which not everyone has internet or those technologies to access it. Um, but for those that do, it's really interesting what still exists as, as a truth for many of us when we can learn and know better. Um, a lot of them fall within sex and sexuality. This, some of these I, I, I thought were truths as well. I, you know, cranberry juice, curing, S, uh, curing UTIs. I don't know. I'd seen some evidence that that was actually really helpful and useful. I still know a lot of doctors that prescribe that, but um, some research out of the National Institute of Health, the NIH, which is an amazing organization. My older brother used to do research over at the NIH. This is legit. That cranberry juice and UTIs, although for a very long time, we've lumped them together as one being a cure for the other. Um, well, the NIH says that uh, cranberry products are not effective in treating UTI if you already have one. They might be helpful in preventing because I've also heard that using it as a preventive measure. But um, basically the research is suggesting that cranberry juice extract or pills might help prevent, but there's not enough evidence for that. It's not going to hurt. I love cranberries, but um, yeah, not necessarily going to be a cure all that we thought it was. I don't know. What do y'all think about that? This one's really interesting. You don't need to care about cholesterol until you're older. That is a myth that you should actually be keeping tabs on it now. Everyone should have their cholesterol checked starting at age 20. I always think that's interesting. I think the youth inherently is this time of invincibility. Not for everyone. Some have due to their own 
illnesses, disabilities, and that of those around them been woken up to the reality that our bodies require attention and care throughout our lifespan. But then there's others that have been blessed, privileged, whatever, however you want to enter that perspective and realize that it's something we need to think about at all times, but some of us haven't had to really be woken up to that. But I'm one of those individuals where I was raised in a family where there weren't a lot of health issues and there weren't a lot of health issues around me. And so I mistakenly thought, wow, I don't need to think about this until I'm older. You know, when you're younger, you're like, I'm good, but that's not true. And I've shared a little bit about this on the show. Uh, my father died having been healthy or so we thought based on what we knew and died very young of a heart attack. And that woke me up and I started paying attention to my heart health and my blood pressure. And I thought I'm very young. I don't need to worry about those things and found out that I had heart health issues and dangerously high blood pressure, like dangerously high. And uh, so much so that they were like, we're not sure we're letting you leave today. And I had to completely drastically change my lifestyle. I have to look at what's stressful for me. I've said that on the show, my metric has been, but it definitely is ironclad now. I have to ask myself when something comes up on any level, how will that impact my health or mental health? Will that stress me out? How much stress do I already have that day, that month, that year? And I'm turning things down that seem too stressful or are taking too much from me. Bigger than that, I also had to look at my eating. I thought I'm plant-based, I'm vegan, I'm solid. I go to the gym five days a week, I'm always walking and never take the stairs. That was all a lie. I still had dangerously problematic issues going on. I had to reduce sodium. Reoriented my entire relationship to self and the world, socialization, dates, restaurants. These are things I now can't just do on a whim. I have to pay attention to what I've eaten that day. I have to pay attention to where we're going. I have to look for hard, healthy options on the menu, which for those that are also doing that, there's really very little out there. I have to pretty much only eat at home. Anything in a box at a rest at a store in a supermarket is, is is high sodium. Truly, no meal should be more than three hundred grams of sodium. Well, you look at a standard meal in a supermarket; it's hitting about twelve or fifteen sometimes. The entire day's worth in one meal. That is astronomically, dangerously, ridiculously, mind-bogglingly high and dangerous. Restaurants are no better. Salt is used to flavor food. So this isn't a segment on sodium, but it's a, it's a segment to remind you, pay attention to what you're putting in your body. Pay attention to what you're doing to your body. Pay attention to the health of your body. Your age doesn't, you know, make that null. All right, we got to take a little break. We're going to do some DMs and then we're going to come right back and I'm going to keep preaching at you about things we have to wake up to. Stick around. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, before we get to those DMs, excuse me, looking at this article, this came out of uh, Canada. Canadian groups are giving free uh, edibles and cannabis to people that are struggling with their relationship with opioids. I think this is really beautiful. Volunteer groups in Canada are providing relief to people struggling with addiction by giving away free marijuana and cannabis edibles as a substitute for opioids. Uh, addiction experts are not sure how to look at this treatment. So here's what's so fascinating. Um, the information's out on this, but what we're really trying to do is we're, the field is moving towards more of a harm reduction model. I've talked about this a little bit on the show, and what that means is we're realizing that complete uh, abstinence from any mind-altering substance just isn't really sustainable for a lot of people that have addiction issues. That's not sustainable for most of us. All of us have some... Um, misuse of mind-altering substances, whether it's sugar, whether it's alcohol, whether it's caffeine, and all drugs can fall within that. And so those that say something like, oh, I can't imagine starting my day without caffeine, which is what I say all the time, you understand what substance um, misuse, 
or addiction looks like and feels like. And, and it's okay to live in a world where we require the help of a pharmacological intervention for our mental health, or we require glasses or contact lenses, or we require mobility support such as wheelchairs. None of us just move through the world without the support of something. And for people that are struggling with opioids and, and heroin or other really detrimental drugs with really horrible outcomes, Yes, we'd rather them be on something like cannabis, which is far safer because with cannabis, there are no deaths reported. There is no rising rates of, you know, domestic violence or abuse like we have with alcohol. And so if that's what someone's sobriety requires, that's what we're going to do because we're not trying to get people celibate. We all have mind altering substances that are part of our life. And we have since the beginning of time and even animals frequently eat certain berries and other plants that create hallucinations and all things like that. So we really just want people to survive. And if cannabis is part of keeping them alive and happy and healthy, well, then that's what we should be providing because some people just aren't going to be getting through the time, you know, through the day without the support of something. I hope that was clear. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. You got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my best friend broke up with their girlfriend about six months ago. They didn't directly ask, but it's definitely implied that I should stop being friends with their girlfriend. We've gotten really close during that time. Am I crossing a boundary? Here's what I say to everyone. You get to decide what happens in all relationships that you form. When we're dating someone, we often will get to meet their friends and family members, and we will form an honest, true relationship with them. After a breakup, yes, you get to maintain your relationships with those people. I'm sorry. Period. End of story. If you form a relationship with the person you're dating's friends and that relationship ends, you get to keep seeing them. That is a real relationship. You're X doesn't get to decide who your friends are at any time while together or not together. So let's also throw that in there. If your friend, if your current partner, husband or wife doesn't like your friends, then they don't need to be brought around them, but you still get to keep those friends. No one gets to tell us who our friends are, even during a breakup. If you, if you're worried about a possible breakup and your partner still being friends with your family members or friends, cause they formed a relationship. Don't introduce them to anyone then because they don't have to end a relationship just because the primary one ended period. And I want to support that. That is very violent to think that anyone in any way that was connected to you, that they're not allowed to stay connected. I'm sorry. Um, and that's a case by case basis. There might be some people that say, listen, I care about you. You're awesome. But you know, the person I met you through is my best friend and that's not gonna be comfortable for me. That's case by case. But as a global theory, the ethics are if someone forms a relationship with another person, those two get to maintain that. No other out, outside or extracurricular relationship gets to decide what happens within that. Does that make sense? We can't have other people running our relationships. That's part of the game. And that's what's going to happen often. And that's part of being an adult. It's also part of being an adult is understanding that some people remain friends with their exes. Just because romance or sexuality is no longer on the table, they can still maintain the other things that were there. We have to get better valuing and honor relationship. I think we we abuse it and don't take it seriously enough. So that's that's part of doing that 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 work globally. Uh, like I said, you got any questions for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. Bam, there they are. We'll be back though, so stick around. You're listening to a Loveline with Dr. Chris. On Channel Q and Odyssey, we'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Love taking a little DM break, dropping gems on y'all, answering questions. 
I know I mentioned it before, but if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, drop them in there. Topics you want covered, something you want us to circle back to. We always want to hear from you. And past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the link. It says Loveline, click on it. Bam, there they all are. There they all are. You can binge, both share, we listen. But before the break, we were basically looking at um, some research I pulled together, things that are a little punchy and interesting because you got to keep you all entertained. Uh, myths that we should all know are bogus. Some of these are going to throw some people off. Some of these you might not care about. Um, we're talking about cranberry juice that NIH, National Institute of Health, showed that uh, cranberry juice, pills, extract um, might help prevent UTIs, but there's not really enough evidence for that. Uh, but they're not effective in treating it if you already have one. Preventative, maybe. And I was just talking about the fact that like, hey, when we're young, we're like, we're invincible, healthy, 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 can't be sick, don't worry about what I'm doing, don't worry about moving my body, don't have to pay attention to you know the foods I'm eating and the impact they have on me. And the answer is yes, you do. And I was woken up to that with my father's death and my own heart health issues. And like I said, I was doing everything that we're told to do so as to prevent that, except I wasn't paying attention to the food I was eating in terms of sodium levels and additives. And eating out at a restaurant or going shopping supermarket, you are probably eating meals that have the entire day's worth of sodium in that one meal, which means what happens when you're doing that for all your meals? It's dangerous. Pay attention to that. It's really scary. We're supposed to be eating maybe two or 300 max per meal, um, a total of about 1,500, maybe 2,000 a day. And there's some meals that have all that in one. Um, salt's flavor, you know? So it's really hard when I go out to eat to find things that have no salt in them or to ask them to leave the salt out. And then is it even good? Do they have anything that I, you know, that hasn't been pre-made in some way? Um, also plant-based, yeah. Go to vegan restaurants, they're loaded with salt too. So it's really shifted. I have to pay attention to what I had that day already, plan for the fact that I might be going out to eat. Yeah, but it matters. I got a lot of work to do here on this planet, y'all. I was saying that earlier in the show, opened it up talking about a uh, Twitter battle and how I'm reminded we got so much work to do, y'all. We be, we're shaming people and trying to say, we're trying to discredit them because they're shirtless in their profile. Oh my God, we got to grow up. Come on. It's, 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 it, people, people's worth and value or their intelligence is not dictated by um, their, you know, their social media posts in terms of their photos of themselves. Anywho, looking at some more stuff. Um, what are some of the other myths? The sugar and fruit, is it bad for you? Now, I know this is a little outside of the mental health thing, but it's completely within mental health because our relationship to the foods and the foods we eat and food anxiety is mental health. There's a lot of things that we've normalized that are really disordered eating. But when we put like a spin on it, we, we tend to think, ah, oh, well, it's good now. You know, I'm going to have a cheat day. Well, for some people, that cheat day means that they're really eating disordered during the week and then they're binge eating on that one day. That's not, that's not mental health, right? We have to heal our relationship to food. And for some of them, it's about understanding that we can eat fruit. Yes, there are some people that are afraid of fruit because of the sugar, because they've been told sugar is bad, all sugar is bad. Um, that's not true for fruits. Uh, the recommendation when they say to reduce your sugar doesn't include you know, fruits which have important phytochemicals, uh, vitamins, minerals, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then we also look at these celebrity diets. I can't tell you how toxic that is for us. We're trying to learn how to lo love our bodies as they are. And I can't be on my social media for more than a few scrolls without seeing some ad for a new workout, a new you know piece of exercise equipment, um, a new diet, a new calorie tracker, um, you know, someone's weight loss, someone's weight gain. Oh my God, give us a break from constantly having to consider our bodies. Now, is that 
hypocritical to what I just said earlier about paying attention to whether or not we're moving our bodies and what we're eating? Well, well, no, you have to pay attention to your car. Does your car need some maintenance? Do the tires need some air? Like we still have to pay attention to maintenance and upkeep. Our bodies move us around. It's tied to our health and our mental health. However, we don't need to be obsessing about them and needing them to look a certain way and to spend our entire day having anxiety around it. That's not healthy. So these celebrity diets are not only really problematic in that they pull us into that, but um, they're often not even honest. They're like ads. They're working with a company. You know, they're trying to promote and sell something. It's not even really something they used. Let me tell you, as with all the celebrities I've worked with and the celebrity friends that I have, they're just in it for the money. You better believe they're not using a lot of these things, but they'll act like they are because they got to get that money. You know, so whenever you see someone do hashtag ad, you better believe it's about the money. Um, what else do we need to talk about in here? Colon cleanses are good for you. Myth. Um, mixing cards and proteins. Well, I guess a lot of this is really dietary based. Let me see if there's anything in here that's kind of outside of that. Y'all better leave my coffee alone, though. That's one thing I'm not letting go of. As someone who doesn't drink alcohol, someone who's plant-based, as someone who's paying attention to their sodium, um, that coffee. <laughs> I'm a coffee drinker for life. Uh, I was just talking about that to, with someone on set the other day. I was shooting a new television project, which I'm excited to share with y'all down the road, something that won't be coming out till next year. I actually shot two different television projects this year. Both won't be coming out till like mid or end of next year. It's really hard to sit on that stuff. Sometimes I can post behind the scenes pictures. Sometimes I can't even talk about it. Um, but we were talking about coffee consumption and I was saying how they're going to have to pry, <clears throat> excuse me, they got the pry my coffee cup out of my hand because that is one of the few joys I've left. Now that's a joke. I have a lot of joys in my life, but man, I love that coffee. All right, we're gonna take a little break. We're gonna come back, stick around and join us. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. Let's talk about emotions for a while. Oh, I was having a conversation with someone this was actually on set, which is funny because in the earlier segment, I was just referencing defending my coffee usage. And we were just talking about my job and they were saying, gosh, you must really hear some interesting stories. And I said, yep, doing the work I do, I hear some interesting stories. Also hear some really heartbreaking stories. Also learn a lot of lessons about what's really important. Also learn a lot of lessons about who I don't want to be in the world. You know, that's one of the gifts of the work I do. I'm shown how damaging we can be to each other and to people we care about and how I don't ever want to do that to the people I love. Um, I said earlier in the show, and I'm going to remind you all often when we're in a relationship with someone of any kind, they're in our care and much like uh, a good driver where your skills as a driver are demonstrated by the comfort of the passenger. Oh yeah. Apply that to relationships. Your mental health as a partner is demonstrated by their mental health as a result of being connected to you. So you want to know how you're doing as a father, look at your kids, ask them. Want to know how you're doing as a partner, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, ask your partner, am I making your life better from having been brought in it or am I making your life harder? You know, those are really powerful things that mirrors held up. However, I was saying though, the conversation pushed forward and they said, what are like, what are some of the most important things you have to think about? And I kind of shared what I just said with y'all. Um, I also said we have to learn how, we have to unlearn a lot. There's so much unlearning. I think in every single couple's individual group I run, whatever it is, whenever mental health is brought up, I'm constantly trying to re-educate. There's so much unlearning. And one of the most important things is around emotions, what they are, the value of them, how to interface with them, how to um, regulate them. 
So I thought we could talk about that a little bit. Um, our, our comfort or willingness in sharing vulnerably our emotions speaks to both how we're doing and, and the stuff we've been through and what we've dealt with, but also speak to the people we're in relationship with. So think about the people you spend most time around, whether it's a family member, a colleague, a friend, someone you're in a relationship with, how safe do you feel expressing to them how you generally, honestly, authentically, and vulnerably feel? Um, now, I mean that when you're expressing it in a soft, loving way, because any expression that is harsh or intense or prickly, understandably, no one healthy on the receiving end is just going to be able to stay wide open for that, right? So whenever we're sharing something emotional with someone, we have to make sure that we're bringing it to them in a digestible, softer way so it can be heard. So assuming we're doing that, think about the people you spend the most time around, one of them, three of them, how comfortable, willing... And confident are you in going to them to say things like, hey, that hurt my feelings. Hey, that kind of disappointed me when you did or didn't do this or said this. Hey, really hurt my feelings that you just said that or that you just spoke to me like that. Hear the tone and the words I just used. That's what the delivery would sound like. How, how willing and able are you to do that? And if you're saying, whoa, I can't really say that, is that because they're not able to hear that? Or is that because you're not willing to be that vulnerable? Because that's, that's mandatory in any relationship to be able to say, hey, that kind of hurt my feelings. Can we talk about that? Or hey, really disappointed me or let me down when you did that or didn't do that. Can we talk about that? Hey, I don't feel like you're really um, taking me or our relationship seriously. Can we talk about that? Hey, it really hurt my, like we have to be able to do that. And we have so much fear on both ends. We have fear in being that vulnerable and that authentic. We also have fear in sitting non-defensively and being told that. And if we can't do that because the partner we're with in whatever context isn't able to hear that, or we can't do that because we're not comfortable with that, you don't have a full relationship. If you're always working to keep it safe and comfortable, well, then we're not never dropping down deep into the important material where we really build intimacy. Because remember, intimacy is when you say things that make you anxious and might make your partner or friend or family member anxious to hear. That's how we know we're building, continuing to build intimacy. It's really hard for me to say this. It might be really hard to hear this, but it's important that I share this and then you say it. And again, notice my tone and notice my word choice. It's soft. It's loving. It's relational, as I say. It's de it's presented in a way that says I care about you and I want you to be able to hear this. I'm not using harsh words. I'm not name calling. I'm not attacking because that's never safe. That's never a good sign. That's not what we're talking about. That's attacking. That's harsh. We're talking about the soft startups. We have to learn that affect, which is emotion and its expression and the, and, the, and the shift that occurs within that. We have to practice getting more familiar with that being brought to us and bringing it to other people. So take the rest of your day and try to find moments where you can demonstrate that. I'm going to share with you. I don't remember if I shared this on the show or not, but it's a really great example. And I'm going to I'm going to acknowledge that for a lot of people this might sound strange. I'm going to acknowledge that for a lot of people it might sound weird. I'm going to acknowledge that some people might say who does that? And I'm going to defend this person for having done this because I was so proud of them and I was so moved. And although it might have been a little clunky and a little socially awkward, it was like such a beautiful expression of this person trying to do their work but also trying to be a better person. So, I was at the gym weeks ago months ago, maybe this was actually pre COVID maybe. So it was a long time ago. Shoot two years <laughs> anyway at the gym and someone had left their stuff on the workout equipment 
And I waited and waited and waited, used something nearby. No one ever came back. So I picked it up and I placed it on the machine next to it. I didn't like throw it on the ground, drop it on the floor um, and started using it. And then a person emerges. I don't know where they came from. uh, And they were very upset that I had done that. I don't know why I didn't, like I said, I didn't throw it on the ground. I didn't step on it didn't scream. I just moved it over. They obviously were not using this piece of equipment. I wasn't sure if they had left it there, forgotten it. Maybe even they were going to be coming back at some point. And at that point I would let them work in. I'd say, yeah, of course, while I'm taking my little rest, go on, but it doesn't need to have your stuff sitting there. It's not a shelf. And they were very frustrated. And what was so beautiful is I could tell that this is someone who normally rages and attacks because you could see them battling to stay calm. And this big, gigantic steroided man acknowledging that a lot of people at the gym are on steroids and that it can lead to some emotional dysregulation. I'm sorry that they're trapped in, in, in needing to present a certain way physically. And he said, I'm very upset that you did that. That is very upsetting to me. That makes me very angry. And I thought, oh, this is someone who's doing their work. They're being vulnerable. They're trying to work through. They're trying to just express emotion. They're not attacking. They're not screaming. They're going right to the core of it. We need more of that. We'll talk more. We're going to take a little break. Stick around. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, right, y'all. We are back. And uh, right before the break, I was telling you all a story about this, this man at the gym just very awkwardly trying to work through using a new skill set instead of name calling and maybe even hitting or attacking or whatever it is. This person was like in front of me doing the work, trying to regulate themselves. So I could see him trying to slow down his heart rate, trying to slow down his breathing, trying to slow down his thinking. He then was trying to package up a communication because our emotions tell us that not something needs to be said or tells us something needs to be done. And he was sharing with me that me moving his stuff off of a piece of equipment was very upsetting to him and it made him angry. And that's all he needed. And that's all I needed. There wasn't much more that needed to be done. And I just said, I'm really sorry. You know, it was sitting there and I wasn't sure whose it was. And I needed to use this piece of equipment and I waited, but thank you. You know, thank you for um, expressing yourself. That's kind of what I think I said. Like, and it was really beautiful because we need more of it. Now that's a really watered down version, but for some people, they're not even able to do that. For some people, they think that if you cut them off or move their stuff, that you are worthy of being attacked, beat up, spit at, name called. I mean, I'm seeing that on airplanes. I'm seeing that in restaurants where someone just says, hey, the law says you need to wear a mask or our corporate has told me a worker who has no power and I'm here because I need to pay my bills and I have to do my job. They need to wear a mask and they hit and they shoot and they attack and they punch and they scream. And it's like, that is not what we're trying to do. We're trying to just say, I'm really upset. That is not what I wanted to here. I do not want to have to wear a mask and I'm angry. Like just express yourself. That's all. We have to get better about that in our relationships out in the world. Because remember, you know what, you know what someone does when they're really in control? You know what a sense of power is when people stay calm, when someone loses themselves, they've lost themselves. They're not empowered. They're not in control. They're not being an adult. We shouldn't praise that when someone's melting down, throwing punches, name calling, screaming. That's the opposite of adult behavior. That's the opposite of someone who's empowered. That's the opposite of someone who's in control. Those are people that actually aren't even safe to be around. If I had someone in my life who acts like that, I would say, please go heal. But until then, you're not safe to be around because if you'll do that to them, you'll do that to me. And I won't let myself be around that. I mean that. I, Dr. Chris, will not be around anyone who acts like that. 
attacks, screams, raises their voice, name calls. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the executive of the network on the set of the show I'm shooting. Now, yes, I have a lot of privilege that I can do that, but my mental health work comes first. And I will say to someone, hi, unfortunately, it is not safe to engage with you if you talk that way. And I will not allow myself to be around that. I have to demand that if you're going to engage with me or talk to me, that you do it with respect and care or we don't talk period. We all have to be able to expect to demand that from a parent. Just because you're a parent and can assert control over a child doesn't mean you should or have a right to. Whether you're a boss, you don't have a right to talk to an employee like that. Shame on you. Whether you're a partner to someone, there is never a role that you might play or someone else might play in the world that gives them the right to be violent like that. Our mental health has to matter more. And so I'm all in support of people setting boundaries, whether the person's in a position of power or control or not. But more importantly, if you are higher up on that food chain, you have even more responsibility to be ethical, to be caring, to be responsible. And it is mind boggling when I see people taking advantage of that as the consumer, as the employer, as the whatever it is, acting like that. We have to be better and the holidays are coming. Stress is going to spike and that's heartbreaking. I wish we got rid of shopping for the holidays and gift giving. It stresses people out. They don't have the money. They don't have the time. They're spending more money than they have. We should just be celebrating, taking the time off and doing things that are fun and joyful. But things get amplified. I see people fighting over Black Friday deals. Dear God in heaven, that is a television and you're going to trample someone for that. What are we doing? We are, we shame on us as a culture, seriously shame on all of us. Because when I see someone losing their stuff on an airplane, some of that's just culture shame on all of us that we somehow allow and support that. But I get proud when I see other people on the airplane standing up saying, you cannot talk to that person like that. They are not in a position of power. They are a flight attendant. This is their job. You know what I mean? But shame on the people acting like that. I'm glad to an extent that we have social media where we can put people on blast. Not because I'm a fan of that. I think that's actually equally as violent. We shouldn't be videotaping people and putting it on the internet. That's gross. That doesn't heal much. However, let's take the lessons from it because it is happening. Let's take the lessons from it that that's not okay. And that that's upsetting. That doesn't speak highly of that person. So the holidays are coming. There's going to be a lot of stressors. Take care of yourself. Be better. Don't make someone's time off worse. And if you realize with the holidays coming and all that that means, that it's going to be a stressful time for you, you can opt out of things. You can say, I'm opting out of the traditional Christmas or Thanksgiving this year. It's about rest for everyone because mom is tired because it's usually mom who's responsible for the food, the shopping, the place setting. Take this year off. Say, everyone's still coming over, but we're going to potluck it. Everyone is responsible for bringing something. Maybe just put together a little list of who's bringing what. And we'll use whatever silverware we have available, or maybe everyone brings some of that too, because it's everyone's time off. And we're just going to celebrate and get back to what it's really about. Right? That's joyful for all of us. All right, we're going to take a little break going to do some uh, DMs. So if you got a DM for us, as always, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, topic you want covered, something you want us to drop deeper into. And uh, past episodes, head over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. Bam, they're all there. You can binge, post, share, we listen. But stick around. We got more goods to come, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. 
You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Alrighty, we are back. Just dropping a little bit of news. I thought this was really important to talk about. Turns out a study shows that Harvard students aren't that smart after all. Basically, the article's out of The Guardian. They were really trying to talk more about the fact that 43% of students at Harvard aren't in there because of their smarts or test scores. It's because of legacy and donations. Uh, so, But I, I wanted to make a larger, more global point, which is please don't assume that someone's intelligence or, you know, education level is immediately reflected back based on the school they went to. I want people to get the education they need. And whether you go to school online or community college or all these different things that tend to be devalued, you can still succeed and do well in life. It doesn't matter where you go. I've gone to some really prestigious institutions and the people around me were, were not smart. They did not do the work. They were online shopping during class. And I've also gone to some institutions for amazing training that aren't as prestigious as other schools I've been to and places that exist. Just get your education, especially in my field. What matters more is not where you go. And a lot of people say that, Dr. Chris, I want to do what you do. What school did you go to? That is the most irrelevant part. I say that to all my interns and they, when they come out of school, and they're like, we don't feel prepared. I'm like, of course you don't. School is like a foundational starting point. What matters more is your learning in the field. What matters more is who your supervisor is. What matters more is your clinical experience. What matters more is your continued education. The important parts of learning don't happen in school. I will, I will fight anyone to the death over that point. I don't care where anyone goes. I never ask that. It's actually quite classist. Not everyone can afford going to the schools they want. Not everyone can afford the application fees. Not everyone has childcare to be able to go to class. Not everyone has money to buy the books. What matters more is what you do after you graduate. Are you still learning? Are you still reading? Are you still taking trainings and courses? That matters most. I promise you that. You learn the basics. It is like a generalized thing. There's so much that's crammed in. You don't learn a model deeply, a theoretical model. You learn that stuff in the field and in supervision. And so we have to get away from where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to school? As though if you say you went to Harvard, you inherently are smarter. No, 43% of those kids got in because of legacy and funding. Like let that stuff go. That's, that's quite racist and problematic because, well, we'll talk about why that is down the road. But uh, let's get into those DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, starting a new job that's taking a lot of my time, both mentally, physically draining, but I'm excited doing it. My friends don't understand that I don't have the time to come out in anymore. Ooh, I feel super alone though, and I need their support. Am I wrong for wanting to talk to them about it and see why? Listen, y'all, when you're first getting out in the working world or depending on your job, you're not available to socialize as much, but sometimes it's just about not socializing in the same ways. So you have to sometimes socialize differently. My job starts very early in the morning. My job is highly social. I sit with 30 plus people a week talking deeply and intimately. 
So during, at the end of those weeks, I don't want to talk anymore. It's harder for me to be emotionally present to my friends. So I also had to go with my energy levels. I'm a morning person. So I'm not going to be out late at night anymore because I'm tired and because I get up early during the day and my days are fuller and they start earlier. And so I socialize differently. I try to say that on the show a lot to normalize that. I'm not going to meet my friends out for dinner later at night because I'm winding down. I get up early and I go hiking. So my answer to you is locate the times where you have the most energy. It might be in the morning and afternoons. Get your friends comfortable having early morning or afternoon phone calls. I have three friends I talk to every day. Two of them, we talk in the morning or in the afternoon on my breaks. That's when we talk. Please don't overvalue nighttime socialization as being better or more meaningful. Sometimes the more meaningful stuff happens in the morning. If my friends want to see me, we do brunches and hikes or go to the movies earlier in the day because even on the weekends, I still crash early. That's still meaningful. I'm still present in their lives. And also remember, technology is another meaningful thing. You can send voice memos and little videos and pictures and share songs, whatever you need to do to stay connected but it has to work on your time schedule and it's gonna be different. We're not gonna be always meeting up for drinks anymore or you know, going out at night doing what we used to do. It's just gonna be different. It's part of adulthood. And then wait till you maybe get into a primary relationship or maybe get married or maybe have kids. Take on more and more responsibilities or move to a different town. We have, we have to get more flexible in what we consider to be time together and connection. But also push back on your work schedule. Work 60 to 70%. Um, don't, don't kill yourself at work anymore. We, we're, we're, more prior, we're prioritizing our self-care and our socialization more. You don't need to give it 100%. Do what you need to do. Get that money and then get back to your life. I think we're overworking and it's, and it's to our detriment. All right, y'all. That is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Drop some questions in our DMs on our Loveline AG page. As always, thanks for hanging out, and y'all enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 